Welcome back to the FKT Podcast brought to you by Merrill Test Lab. I'm your host, Heather Anderson. Today we're chatting with both Will Peterson and John Kelly, who each set impressive long trail FKTs. Join us as we chat about dealing with vermud, dirt naps versus sleep blocks, and privy visits, or lack thereof. Thank you, Merrill, for supporting not only this podcast, but the fastestknowntime.com website and the FKT community. Merrill invites you to put yourself and their new Skyfire 2 shoe, their newest, lightest, and fastest trail running shoe to the test on your next adventure. It's available over at Merrill.com. Thank you so much for joining me today, John and Will. Super stoked to have you both on here to talk about your long trail FKTs. Uh, recently, John set the supported overall FKT in four days and four hours, taking seven hours off the previous supported time. And Will almost at the same time set the unsupported overall record in four days and 11 hours, which took over a day off of the previous unsupported record. And it was 10 minutes faster than the previous supported record. He also took 12 hours off of string beans, almost completely unsupported record, which falls in the self-supported category because of some water issues, which we'll ask Will to comment on a little bit later, because I know he ran into a similar situation. So thank you guys both for being on the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, thank you. So I'm going to start off with you, Will. Uh, can you just maybe give our listeners an overview of the long trail? Um, maybe just kind of describe the route, maybe some of the stats for it, just because it is one of our premier routes and it has a really long history of FKTs. Definitely. Uh, so the long trail, it's a, a route that goes from the very bottom of Vermont at the Massachusetts border to the very top of Vermont at the Canada border. Uh, it runs 272-ish miles uh, with about 66,000 feet of vertical gain. It is v extremely rugged, um, super, you know, classic New England terrain. Very rocky, very rooty. The climbs are very steep and technical. Not going to find very many switchbacks or, or anything like that. And it's oh, and it's also um, the I believe the oldest long distance hiking route in the in the United States. So there's just a lot of uh, a lot of history. It's been I think it's over a hundred years old. I believe it was conceived in 1910. So it's a yeah, it's a really incredible route. So John, could you uh, start us off here talking a little bit about what attracted you to setting an FKT on the long trail? I mean, you've got FKTs all over the world at this point. Uh, why the long trail? Well, a lot of what Will said there, it's, it's history and it, it being the, the oldest uh, long distance trail in the U.S. And, and inspiration for the Appalachian Trail, which is has always kind of been my local holy grail, uh, but I have, haven't had time to get back out on. So th this is, is one that I, I could uh, tackle in the, the free time that I had. Uh, it's just a, a beautiful area of the country, and, and a lot of what Will said about the, the ruggedness of the trail also uh, very much attracts me. It, it's a lot different from some of the challenges out west. It's a lot different from the things that I took on uh, over in my time in the UK, and, and having that sort of different experience and, and the different obstacles to face is, is definitely something that's, that's appealing to me. Yeah, for sure. Um... We know you like rugged <laughs> after your performances at the Barkley over the years. How would you compare the long trail to the Barkley or would you compare them at all? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I, I mean, I, I'd say that the terrain would be fairly similar if, if the long trail wasn't a trail and you were just 
Fair. Going straight <laughs> through the woods. And yeah, I mean, it's a similar terrain, but but obviously less to worry about in, in terms of navigation and, and some of the some of the mental things that go on at Barkley, the things that are out of your control, like the start time and the exact route and, and all of these things that are intentionally there to mess with your head. Right. Uh, those are things that on an FKT, particularly supported FKT, you can take control of those. You can try to turn them to your advantage, uh, you know, while realizing that, that at the same time when you're out there for four plus days and you have all of these logistics carefully planned out, uh, you can't exactly just shift things if, if the weather looks like it might be a bit rough for a section. Right. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that's kind of hard to explain um, to people who haven't participated in the Barkley is that it's not necessarily the course itself, although that is very challenging. It's all of those things that are outside of your control that really mess with your head that compound the challenges of the effort. Yeah, absolutely. So Will, I'd love to hear what attracted you to attempting the Long Trail FKT. Obviously you've done a lot in the Northeast. Was this kind of just like a no brainer for you or how did you decide to do this? Well, so I, I was, from Maine, I'm, I've always been really attracted to the White Mountains and the the four thousand footers uh, in New Hampshire. So, I I sort of got my start in the in the multi day. Well, I hiked the Appalachian Trail back in twenty nineteen, not for speed or anything, just to backpack. And um, I really <laughs> didn't love Vermont that much. I, I I mean, I did get really bad weather, but it was also I, I don't know. I just didn't love it. And uh, so I spent a couple of years peak bagging in New Hampshire, um, and then. I, I kind of ran out of multi-day, like I, I got the supported and non-supported um, 4,000 footer records in, in New Hampshire. And then it was just kind of like, what's next? Uh, I don't, there, there wasn't really anything else in Maine or New Hampshire as far as multi-day stuff that super excited me. Um, and then I moved to Vermont this past fall and started running on the trails and started really seeing a little bit more why people love the Vermont trails so much. and. Um, spent some time on on the Appalachian Trail and the Long Trail and um, fell in love with it. And I just felt like um, it was sort of a dual, there were sort of two things pulling me. One was I started loving the trails and two, I just felt like, I felt like I could take another jump in terms of the competitiveness aspect of, of multi-day efforts. I kind of felt like I could, I felt like I wanted to try to compete with people like Stringbean and um, the obvious place to do that if you're in uh if you're in new england is on the long trail so that's kind of what pulled me this spring was pretty exciting uh when it comes to vermont um not just your fkts and so we're going to talk about the weather here in a second but uh the fact that you guys were both out there setting fkts on the long trail within weeks of one another um, but in different modalities you know one was unsupported one was supported um, was pretty impressive that you guys were both out there. And so what I'm kind of curious is if you could talk about why you chose the method you did. Like, so for John, like, why did you choose supported? Uh, it's something that I, I really came to embrace in, in the UK. Before I spent time there, I was really more of an unsupported and, and self-supported person. And going over there and the, the Bob Graham round and uh, a lot of the classic fell running things over there, they're, they're traditionally, I mean, they're, they're team efforts, uh, essentially. It's, you go out there and, and do a Bob Graham round. And I mean, if you want to join the, the Bob Graham club, it actually has to be supported because you have to have club members with you at each peak verifying that you're there. 
And, mm. and so it's just a, a great culture and a, a great tradition. And it was, um, I, I loved feeling a part of that, that it truly was a, a community and a team effort. And in that time, I also, I, I think, got pretty good at, at planning the, the logistics and everything that are required for those supported attempts. So if that has become one of my strengths, then, then I should, I should probably use it. I, I also have a bit of a, this is completely unvalidated conjecture, but I have a bit of a theory that uh, smaller people such as myself uh, are, are hurt more by the big pack weight associated with, with supported and self-supported efforts. Uh, I don't know where you come in at, Will, but I, I know that String Bean is, is a bit of a giant uh, <laughs> when he stands next to me. <laughs> actually, yeah, Will, do you have any thoughts on that? Because this is something I've thought about a lot, actually. Interesting. That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I come in at like 5'11", 165, so I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty medium-sized, but uh, I, I mean, I guess that would make sense. It's it's if you're talking about like proportion of your body weight, like if you weigh, if you weigh less than putting a 30 pound pack on, like add significantly more body weight percentage. I, I'm, I'm pretty dumbfounded by you doing what you did with starting with a 33 pound pack. It's just, that's amazing. I, I can't imagine having started with that and, and moved at that speed. Yeah. Well, I, uh, like looking at our numbers, you moved way faster than me at the beginning. I saw, so. That was actually, <laughs> sorry, I don't want to derail the actual questions here, but I, I'm, oh, this is great. I am absolutely baffled by looking at your splits and the fact that from App Appalachian Gap to the finish, you were like five hours faster than me. And, you know, I, I had some rough conditions and some rough stretches in there. I mean, the, the Kelly Stand Road to Woodford Hollow, the next to last section in particular, I probably lost a, two, a couple of hours. But I, I think that you were you were an hour mm -hmm. or so faster than my planned split from Ab Gap to the finish. So, I mean, you, you were flying on, on that second half. I, I feel like you down you have throughout the process I felt like downplayed the conditions you had I don't need I don't mean to gas you up too much but like I was uh, so I was out there doing my scouting hike while John was on his effort so I like I experienced the same conditions they were horrible <laughs> the, trail, the trail was so wet and rainy I, and he like keeps saying like oh it would have been it could have been just as bad if it was hot and humid like I don't know about that it, the the long trail gets really I mean really they don't wet call it her mind for so, no reason right yeah that that was something that was uh, also a, a bit bit different for me I, I thought I had mud mastered I, I mean between <laughs> you know southern Appalachia and, and the boggy Penine Way and all of these other things I, I thought I knew my my types of mud pretty well but it was. It was a good bit different, and a lot of places just standing. I mean, the trail was basically a creek, just standing water, flowing water the, the whole time. With, of course, little rocks and roots lurking just beneath the surface, ready to clip your feet. Did you ever lose your shoe in the mud? I didn't. Okay, then you guys didn't actually hike through Vermont. I feel like that's a rite of passage on the <laughs> in the Vermont. Um, yeah, so I'd like to hear a little bit more about the weather because for our listeners who may not be aware, this spring, you know, uh, June, early July in Vermont had massive rain and flooding, and there was also issues with smoke coming in from wildfires in Canada. So uh, I would really like to hear, John, it sounds like you maybe experienced the worst of the wet. What was the weather like out there and how did that affect, um, and the smoke, Did it either? how did those affect your FKT? 
I don't, the smoke, I don't know. It's hard to say whether that affected me at, all, at all, or not. It, it was, it was tough looking at it when I was getting started, not knowing if it were going to get worse, especially being supported. Like it's one thing for me to be out there if it, conditions are a bit unhealthy, but I, I wasn't going to ask other people to, to come out uh, if, if conditions got that bad. So the morning of, I was looking at the, uh, the air quality map and Northern Vermont was just like, this little tiny alcove of green with like yellow and orange surrounding us on, on all sides. And uh, I, I was told that um, on, on days two, maybe a bit of three, we got some yellow, maybe a little bit of orange, but it never got to the point where I was really noticing it in my breathing. So that, that was good. Um, other conditions, I mean, it was a bit wet for me the first day, and, and the trail, the northern 50 miles or so are really overgrown, so you're just walking through all that wet undergrowth and, and getting soaked the entire time. But the the worst of it was definitely the, the last day, when the, the rains came hard and, and heavy and for a long time, and that's... That's where the next to last section on my schedule was already the longest. It was already completely overnight. It was already the one that I was dreading the most. You know, that the next to last part of anything is almost always the hardest part. Mm -hmm. And that's when the rain came in the worst. Uh, I was struggling to stay awake, but I couldn't stop moving because I would have gotten too wet and cold. I uh, would have gotten dangerous. Uh, we ended up uh, taking a slight detour to an AT shelter and uh, I napped in a privy uh, for about 20 minutes, which it was <laughs> top notch privy. Like they, they have clearly done some work recently with uh, they're on the long trail. They're they're new and they're spacious. Uh, you, you know, it's uh, so yeah. We had three support runners with in there sitting, and, and me laying down wrapped in a space blanket, uh, all, all there in the, the privy. Got a nice nap and uh, made it to morning from that. So it was uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. But I think like I told Will, most most of my my best memories come from those situations after the fact you never wish for right. them beforehand or during but it, but if you can make it through them uh then you know it, it makes for some some solid memories classic type two fun i will say this john and, and will you probably know this too as a as a fellow through hiker that john you are now officially a through hiker because you are not a through hiker until you have slept in a privy and now you have slept in a privy so you are officially in the club <laughs> it's good glad to know i made it <laughs> you did um, so, Will, I'd love to hear kind of a little bit backing up, you know, why you chose Unsupported and then also like how the weather and smoke affected your hike, if it did at all. I do not come from any sort of competitive running background. Like I played soccer in high school and then did nothing in college. Uh, so until I got into backpacking. So with competitive multi-day stuff, I've always come at it sort of from the perspective of this is my like really what I want to be doing is spending five months on trail, but I don't have time for that. So instead I'm going to go really far in like five days. Uh, so I've, I've just always been more drawn to the backpacking side of things. And then I've also done, like I did the supported 48 and the unsupported 48. And like, like John said, he's, he's mastered the skill of, of sort of the logistics part of it. I was just the, the logistics part was such a headache to me and I felt like I feel 
like for me it's much simpler to just load up my backpack and get on the trail by myself and then I don't like have to worry about anyone else and that's that's another big draw for me oh the part about the weather I got pretty good weather I I went like a couple weeks after all the big flooding happened so the water levels had all gone back down the trail had rebounded really nicely actually I had some hot and humid days uh, but I like I had two short thunderstorms on the first and second night and then I had really hard rain the last like 30 miles and otherwise I was I mean for the long yeah, trail it's really not that for bad. Long trail. Uh, so yeah uh, we've kind of been talking a little bit about you know how notorious the long trail is for its ruggedness and you kind of both talked a little bit about your strengths and weaknesses here so I'm curious with this combination of like how difficult the trail is and then you know running versus hiking how much did you run versus how much did you hike and did you have a strategy for that prior to it like i'm going to run these sections or you know i'm going to hike these sections and did you stick to that or how did that evolve while you were out there um john why don't you start uh it was you know i, I hadn't gotten to spend a, a ton of time uh, on on the trail beforehand i mean most of it none at all so i was my research was very much limited to uh people's reports and GPX tracks that I could find, which were actually pretty limited. I, I never could find a good one for the, the whole length of the trail. So my, my strategy on that is, is mainly just how it always is, run when I can. Uh, and then when I can't just, you know, try, try to conserve myself. And I think a lot of early on uh, where there's a, a good bit of scrambling uh, over Mansfield and, and some of those uh, peaks, the, the rocks were really wet for me. So, I mean, you, you can't run unless you have some sort of death wish. You, you just, you can't. Uh, you will you will slide off the side of the mountain and uh, yeah, that's, that's that. So I, I always look at those things as kind of opportunities to save myself for later and have to keep reminding myself to, to not panic, to just conserve and, and and when i can when when the conditions allow it to to use that energy and, and take advantage of it did you take any bad falls when you were dealing with like all the wet uh i i didn't uh i, I got one early on uh kind of banged the side of my knee but no i was i remember actually thinking towards the end of it, it was like wow I, I really didn't have any horrible falls uh given as long as i was out here and in, in these types of conditions i you know, banged my toe a number of times, which is always going to happen, but, but no, no face plants or, or tumbles or, or yard sales or anything like that. Oh, that's good. And so how about are you well, like what was your strategy or how did it shake down for the amount of running versus hiking you did? Yeah. So I, I do not run uphills. That's, that's just not a skill I've mastered. Uh, any, any, my philosophy was like anything that was flat or downhill that seemed runnable to me i wanted to try to be in a in a running gait uh so like i i hiked the entire long trail in 12 days as like a scouting hike a few weeks prior and during that hike i split the long trail up into about 50 different sections and i took notes on each section of like this section is really technical you're gonna be hiking most of it this section's like a lot more runnable you need to be uh you need to be running when you can on this one so that's kind of how it shook out uh percentage wise i would guess that i probably ran somewhere between 30 and 40 percent of it with 
much more of it coming later on when the pack started. Right. And the trail is, is much gentler uh, t- towards the end as, as well. Yes. Right, because you guys sure. both went southbound. So ending with the at the Massachusetts border. Um, so, Will, yeah, you kind of just talked a little bit about your, your training and scouting the trail. Um, John, what was your training like for the, for the long trail? Did you have a specific plan? Nothing specific uh, anymore, really. I've, I've kind of, the past few years, moved, I've been coached by David Roach and just moved on from really thinking about training for specific things as much as I just maintain my fitness as, as high as I possibly can. And, and then in the weeks, maybe a couple months leading into something like this, I, um, I'll, I'll add some terrain specific training, maybe some, I mean, for long trail, some more hills, uh, so some more time on the trail and, and those sorts of conditions. I also had a, a, a on much farther south uh, on the Appalachian Trail, the, the Smokies, I uh, had a pretty bad ankle sprain about I don't know six six weeks or so uh, before, so that that limited some of my my final training some, but it, I think it it worked out pretty well. Again, maybe one of those you know for right. Yeah, I was going to ask deals. you about the that was on the scar, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if that affected your training or your or if you felt that on the long trail at all. It it looked so. I, I made the mistake of of posting a, a picture of it on social media, which I'll, I'll never do again because you know there's <laughs> par- apparently everyone has MD credentials uh, once yeah. once something gets posted on social media. So it it did look bad. It, it looked a lot worse than it was. Um, I, I think that there was some of the kind of normal post run lower leg edema combined with the ankle sprain swelling that made it look pretty nasty, but it, it stayed swollen for a while, but it, it didn't really hurt much to run on. So I, I think I, I got pretty lucky there and, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say there were any big yeah, lingering issues good. from it. Maybe you've struck upon a good strategy. I mean, what was like six weeks before Barkley that you fell off a ladder this year, right? Yeah. 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 And then, um, sprained your ankle about six weeks before the long trail. I mean, <laughs> I don't know that I'd recommend this to people, but you seem to be on a roll. <laughs> it's it's about six weeks before my next thing. So I need to think of uh, what I'm going to do here. Take, take my kids out on the go-karts here and, and see what I can, <laughs> what I can do. Oh my gosh. Will, I would love to hear about your gear because when you're going out here unsupported, you have to put a lot of thought into what you're carrying as far as striking that balance between what you need to, cause you're sleeping overnight, you're camping, you know, camping, quote unquote, you know, versus mm-hmm. having crew meeting you and yet like keeping your pack weight down. Obviously it sounds like your pack was just over 30 pounds. So can you talk a little bit about what was in that pack as far as your gear and how you, maybe how you settled on the items that you carried? Yeah, definitely. I I will say like my pack, like 33 pounds is kind of heavy for one of these things. Like I think, I think most people are around 29 pounds, but I just carried some extra gear that I felt like safeguarded me from honestly, from some things that string bean ran into and like from stuff that I've seen other people run into. So like I carried, I carried kind of a ludicrous amount of headlamps and batteries for headlamps. Uh, Like I, I had a waist lamp and a headlamp and four sets of batteries for each one. I carried like 
I, I went back and forth on carrying like a, a 30 liter running vest versus like a 40 liter, like actual backpacking pack. And I, I ended up settling on the, on the backpack just because I felt like it would carry the weight better, uh, when, when it was full that, so that, that was sort of a big decision for me, but I'm super happy with that. Like I, I, I didn't hurt my shoulders or back at all. I also went back and forth a lot on what, what to bring for like a shelter system. Uh, so like I sort of, I went from everything from like a full setup to like, oh, I'll just use an emergency blanket and that's it. In, in the end, I decided like I, I carried an outdoor research bivy and a foam pad and and a quilt and like basically everything. But I, I just figured I'm already getting a horribly low amount of sleep. I'd want to actually sleep well when I, when I lay down or, you know, as well as you can. Um, so that was kind of my, um, my, my overall gear load. And I drank yes, all that my was food. my next that's, question that's I thing. wanted to hear about because that 30,000 calories of liquid nutrition, like that just sounds so horrible to me. <laughs> Like, have, have you done this before? Or was this your first time where you're just like, I'm just going to drink everything? Yeah, yeah. The Like, the past five or six big efforts I've done, ranging from, like, 50 milers to five and a half days, like, I've used almost exclusively powdered nutrition. And this this was the first... I On this one, it was, like, over 95% of my nutrition was, was liquid, which is, the I think, the most I've done at least the most I've done on an unsupported effort. I don't know. It's, it can be kind of tough at the beginning. Uh, I think when you're, when your stomach's kind of like switching over to it, like I can feel a little bit like queasy and like, I don't really want to drink it. And then I feel like once I get into a calorie deficit and my body's just craving the carbs, it just go, it starts going dead. Honestly, the, the longer I go, the easier it gets. So it's a, uh, yeah, oh it's my. a, it's a time. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> And, and and it resulted in you saving a lot of privy time as well, <laughs> I hear. And I spent longer in there sleeping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I only had to go number two once the whole effort, which was interesting. That also sounds horrible. Yeah. A, a, a li- <laughs> I mean, helpful for the FKT, but... A, a little little known fact, my, my first Barkley finish, <laughs> I, I went z- zero times. Wow. Zero for, for the 60 wow. hours. Wow. That, that wow. was it. That's what did it. That's Were you crazy. drinking all your calories? No. no <laughs> okay, well, it's not yeah. that. Hmm. <laughs> um, so, well, did you did you have a hard time switching back to eating solid food at the end, or was your was your body just like yes, solid things now, please? No. Yeah, I ran into like literally at the end. There were a couple of random AT through hikers just at the at that sign in the middle of the woods, and they they immediately whipped out their food bags and like made me a little nice uh, peanut butter and fluff sandwich. So it was it was great. Okay, okay, John, I'm kind of curious if you had. I read your report and I couldn't really tell. Were, were you a company most of the time? Did you have pacers with you on this, or were you primarily alone in between your your uh, resupply points where your, your crew met you? No, I, I had support runners throughout. Um, they they were huge. Uh, had carried my stuff, uh, kept me awake, uh, found me shelter when I needed. Uh, especially on that that rough night section. I mean, having them there with me was uh, enormous because it's one of those things that that again, like if if I had been by myself, that probably would have gotten to the point where I I wouldn't have felt safe. 
with with what I had with me and, and wouldn't have felt okay to continue. Um, and so, you know, Will's talking about all the extra stuff that, that he carried. Um, you know, I always found the most difficult thing on, on unsupported is, is not carrying what I need, but carrying what I might need. If, if I get mm -hmm. stuck out there overnight in bad conditions, uh, all, all the emergency gear and, and that stuff that I didn't have to worry about. You know, my, my support runners had that in their pack and I knew that if, if things got bad, uh, they, they had me covered. They'd find you a privy to sleep in. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> um, did I know when we were talking about the Wainwrights, uh, you didn't, a lot of the people that were helping you out, you didn't know prior to the effort, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, the, did you have, oh, sorry, go ahead. The, the Wainwrights, um, by the time I got to that, I, I did know most of those people. That was kind oh, of my, okay. my last big thing in the UK. And again, it's, it's just okay. such a a tight-knit, long-distance fell running community there that, that after a few years, you, you kind of, everyone knows everyone. And it was a lot of people that had supported me on the Penine Way and, and Grand Round and other things okay. I did there. The long trail was 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 different. I, I didn't know hardly anyone. Okay. And, so, and that was what I was going to ask. Like, did you know your crew going into the long trail? No, I, I hadn't met hardly any of them. Uh, ben Feinson, the previous supported uh, FKT holder uh, was a huge help in, in gathering some of that support. Um, I, I put out a, a post on, on social media before, which I had never done, and, and it's one of those things where you, you never know what's going to happen at that point. But um, it, it turned out really well. Uh, everyone was great. It was, I mean, just fantastic to uh, have them out there, to get to meet them, to get to spend some time uh, with them out in the woods. And it was just an amazing community uh, to, to get to see out there and to, uh, to get to be a part of. So big, uh, big appreciation to the, the Vermont uh, and, and really greater New England uh, and Southeast Canada running community uh, out there. That's awesome that, you know, you kind of had all these people coming together to help you. I remember seeing your um, your Instagram post about that. So that was kind of why I was wondering if you had people out here you knew or if it was just a community effort, new friends. Well, and it's it's something I, I thought about a, a good bit on the, the trail as well. I, I want these things to be as accessible as possible for, for other people to do. And uh, it's, you know, it's like in, in the UK, everyone lives within three or four hours of the Lake District. So it's kind of like everyone is available for everything. Whereas here, this is a much more kind of remote and isolated part of the country. And we're all separated and you know, we have our Flagstaff ultra runners and our Boulder ultra runners and our Vermont and our Southeast. Right. And, and so there are all these kind of separate communities and there's not this mass concentration of, of support in these areas. So to take a good crack at something like Long Trail supported FKT, you either have to be really deep embedded in that community and know everyone, or you like, I'm fortunate that I've built up the reach that I have, and I can put out a post on Instagram and uh, get a bunch of people volunteering. But it, it's very much a conundrum for me where I, you know, I, I don't want that to be kind of a, a barrier for, for doing these efforts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Will, you were talking uh, a little bit about your bivy, like how you decided to bring the bivy and the quilt and all that. What was your sleep strategy? Like, and did that evolve throughout the course of the FKT? 
Yeah, well, so prior to the FKT, I I thought of, of, of a few different sleep strategies. Like, I've, I've always, in, in the three multi-day efforts I've done, I've consistently, like, been shaving down the amount of sleep I've had. Jack Kenzel was really, really insistent that I should try, like, just the, 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 the dirt nap strategy and never sleeping, like, a, any prolonged period of time, which kind of scared me. Uh, so I actually uh, reached out to John before I went out there and just asked him what he would recommend. Uh, and he um, and I, I basically just followed, <laughs> followed what he recommended to me, which was um, uh, about an hour and a half the first night and then uh, three hours on nights two and three. And then um, and then a really short sleep on night four, followed by like any naps. I didn't end up needing a nap on the last day, but. Um, so I, I went more with the strategy of one, one block of sleep per day. Um, but it's, when you're doing this stuff, it's still only like, right. Block of hours. sleep is a, is a generous term. I'll ask John this. Cause obviously this was John's advice. John, did you follow that same strategy? Yeah. In general, uh, I, I weigh it out okay. in kind of a, a pyramid scheme in, in terms of how much sleep I, I get per night and that I, I start low and then go up for the middle nights and then drop it back down. And then the fi final day or two, we'll, we'll go to the, the dirt nap slash power nap strategy. Um, it worked well for me on Wainwrights and, and other kind of three plus day things that I've had. Uh, I've found that the, the power nap only strategy is effective from like two and a half to three days. But, but once you get beyond that, uh, it's, it's pretty difficult. I, I the, the first time I, I did Tour de Gion, I, that's what I tried and it, it did not work well at all. I, I, um, I mean, I, I was in podium position nearly the entire race. And then towards the end, I just got so behind on my sleep that I, I was constantly napping, like on the trail, every aid station or fugio we came to like i was i was down and i was out and i was just i could not catch up and i could not get back to the point where i felt uh alert and yeah i don't know if either of you have experienced this you probably have but just the the sense of like you're running is a generous term you're moving down the trail and you're so tired that you like literally fall asleep while moving and wake up either on the ground or a few feet down the trail and don't know how you got yeah, there. That, um, did that happen to either of you on the long trail? I don't think for me on the long trail, but that's that's definitely my biggest issue. When I get sleep deprived, I, I hear all the time about people like having vivid, persistent hallucinations where they'll see like purple unicorns flying around and all this other stuff. And they're like, I wish that were me. I wish that... <laughs> I just saw crazy hallucinations and then could keep going, but I never see those. And my problem is just, I cannot keep my eyes open. How about you, Will? Yeah, I, I did not get that sleepy. There was a, a time on the third night when I, um, or yeah, third night, uh, where I was, I was really struggling to stay awake. It was like getting very droopy eyed and I was not really able to walk straight and I was kind of stumbling around, but I never, I never like fully fell asleep. But right. yeah, sleep deprivation is not fun. That's, that's yeah, probably my sure. least favorite yeah, part I'd of agree this whole game. With that, that opinion. That, that's somewhere else where the, the support runners can, can come in handy and 
attempting to, to keep you awake or allowing you to take a quick nap and, and get up. We, we played a lot of that game where you like uh, you choose a category and someone says a word and then the next person has to say a word that ends or starts with the letter that the last word ended by. It was uh, oh, you know, yeah. j just little games like that to, to try to keep my <laughs> mind actually thinking about something. Like I have hallucinated, but generally that's not the default. The default is like the fall asleep while running. And I think like this spring, like I did the, the Pennsylvania AT unsupported. And I think the, the thing that is kind of frustrating, but also like hilarious to me is I was three miles from the end and I got to that point where I was like falling asleep moving and I had to lay down and take a nap and I was like you've got to be kidding me I'm three miles from the end and I have to nap like because I can't stay awake and, then, and yeah exactly I'm like why can't I be hallucinating purple unicorns I instead of laying down in the rain and taking a nap um so I probably would have been about a half hour faster if I hadn't uh, had to lay down and take a nap but I read that in your trip report and I was like, oh my goodness, how, how tired do you have to be? <laughs> like that, that, you've got to just be so I was so exhausted. I mean, yeah, like it was like, I was like going to fall down face first in the mud or lay down. So I was like, I guess I'll just lay down. Luckily I only slept for like 30 minutes and it was fine. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, it's such a weird thing, sleep deprivation. And it, and it's, it's a little different every time and it's, yeah, definitely. I agree. Probably the least fun aspect of, of FKTs. <laughs> but, but at the same time, it's also one of the, the reasons that I like stage races don't appeal to me that much because, well, it might be the, the like stage races where, you know, everyone does a section and then you have a nice dinner together and you get a good night's sleep and then you get up and, and repeat the next day. And uh, even though the sleep deprivation is is difficult, I, I view it as part of the challenge and, and another variable to take mm -hmm. on. I think that it should be part of the strategy uh, rather, rather than something that I'm, I'm going to try to just avoid entirely for these things. Yep. Yeah. So kind of a, a little bit of a, a wrap up question here. I'd love to hear the story of your highest high and your lowest low out on the long trail. John, you want to go first? Uh, I mean, I, I think we've we've heard a, a bit about my low. Well, my my most <laughs> natural, or, or or the one that that would be assumed was was sleeping in the privy and it pouring and me freezing and uh, struggling to make it through the night. Um, but you know that that's also at the point where you're kind of so invested at it, that point. It's. Uh, like I, I know I'm I'm going to get through it. I, I know that I'm I'm going to to make it and and keep going. So like while I might be actually miserable, I think some of the lower points are, are more early on when I let myself uh, zoom out and lose focus and think, wait a second, I'm I'm going to be out here for how much longer? And like my kids are down at a maple farm eating Ben and Jerry's, and like I'm out here <laughs> on the trail for how many more days? And that that's tough. Like the, when your mind slips to those points early on, it's uh, th those are definitely some challenging uh, low points mentally. The high point, I, I you know, I to me that's that's usually kind of the the point at which you know that that it's done. And I by the time I got to Woodford Hollow uh, and it had warmed back up and stopped raining and I knew I wasn't going to, you know, get hypothermia and have to stop, 
I, I kind of knew it was done at that point and, and I'd make it. And, and so uh, just setting off on that last climb from, from Woodford Hollow was, was a pretty big high because that, that was it. Like, I'm, I'm going to crush this climb and, and then we're going to get it done and, and I'm going to see my family and go get some pizza and ice cream. Although I, I, I will add a caveat and, and Will can maybe address this a bit more. The finishing a trail like this and then having like three or four miles to get from the end of the trail back to the trailhead, that is a, that's yeah. a super form of and You have to hike in to start and hike out to get out. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make it easy yeah. for you. So uh, Will, yeah, your highest yeah. high, your lowest low, when you knew you were going to make it. So the lowest low is definitely I uh, like I was mentioning the that third night when I I was getting super sleepy and couldn't keep my eyes open and was kind of stumbling around. That like I've never I've never gotten that tired where I where my hiking was impeded. So that that was a new experience for me and made me worry quite a bit that oh if, if this is the third night like I still have a full night to go am I just gonna totally crash and burn out here. Uh, and then that sort of carried over into the next morning. Like this, this was in that sort of 30 mile section north of, uh, north of Sugarloaf where the trails are just really monotonous and there's like really nothing in there. Like even when I got to the main junction and was back on the AT, like the, the end still just felt so far away. Uh, even though it was only like a hundred, I mean, only a hundred miles away, but that's like <laughs> not that far on the long trail. Uh, but it, it felt like a long way away and I was just still pretty miserable. So that, that was tough, but um, it, it came out of it once, basically once I was at the top of Killington and that was the last sort of big climb for the whole thing, I snapped out of it a little bit. Um, and once I got less than 100 miles to go, that definitely helped. Um, the highest high, I think, like sort of counterintuitively was uh, on the last day, it just started with about 25 miles to go, it just started dumping rain and my my joints and feet had been so sore um that i i couldn't really move as fast as i'd wanted to even though mentally i was feeling pretty good on the last day and then when it started raining like like john said the whole trail just turns into a ankle deep river and i found that like the one i the the water made really good padding and then two instead of jumping jumping around all the mud pits in southern vermont i could just run straight through them so that saved a lot of time and uh and that, that was, I don't know, those last 25 miles to the finish were honestly kind of fun. Like my mm. feet are still paying the price for it now, but, um, but I was able to run really, really fast and, and kind of had a, a lot of fun just being drenched for a, a few hours right at the end. Um, and then, and then, yes, it, I, I, I think I sat at the end for like 45 minutes. <laughs> so my body was just like so tight and so done with me by the time we uh we walked out so yeah walking out at the end is, yeah. is pretty bad but that's uh, part of but, you it know, it's part um, of it do you guys either of you have any final thoughts you'd like to share about your experience or questions you have for each other think of more but I, I mean i'm just again just amazed uh at the time you sit out there carrying a full pack that entire time that's that's incredible to me um you know, the, the 33 pounds, that's, that's a lot of weight. And, and even, even carrying the smaller packs, uh, on some of the things I've, I've done, I, I know how much, uh, that affects me and, and how much, uh, that, that can really slow things down. So just, uh, an, an incredible job out there. And, and I hope 
you're uh, you're much earlier in your recovery process than I am. I'm I'm pretty much uh, coming back out of it and back to full training volume now. So uh, best of luck with uh, get getting back to it yourself. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no. Similarly, uh, I don't. I've already said this. Don't mean to gas you up too much, but like the the fact that you were able to put down four days, four hours in, in basically like a, a five day rainstorm that had like a little bit of uh, it, like it, it led up here and there, but it was so. I mean, like you said, that the, those northern fifty miles just soak you when it's wet. Like it's it's you're just pushing through brush the whole time, and then. Like the southern part is, it's just like one big puddle and, and, and it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I, you moved super fast. It was very impressive to me. I, like my original goal was to, to get the overall, uh, get the overall FKT while being unsupported. And then as soon as you did what you did, I was like, all right, that's out the window. There's, but there's but no you did, you did touch the, the previous one. So. And, you know, I, I think that that my time where it is plus the conditions i have i, I hope that that makes it uh, all the more appealing for for someone to get out there and get get after that sub four day time it's uh it's definitely possible supported and um, i look forward to seeing someone do it absolutely yeah i i know for a fact i've already heard i know for a fact that we have inspired some uh some pretty legit people to come give the long trail a try or another try for uh, for some people so I think it'll, I think it'll be exciting to watch in the next year yeah, what happens absolutely. on that trail. Thank you guys both so much for coming on the show and sharing your experiences. I know I was super impressed by both your efforts and a lot of our listeners were too. So I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Yeah, thanks very much for having us. It was fun. Thank you. Thanks again, John and Will, for coming on the show. You can see all their FKTs on the website, fastestknowntime.com, and follow their adventures on Instagram. John can be found at randomforestrunner and Will at underscore will.peterson. Thanks again to Meryl Lab for supporting the show. Be sure to check out their new Skyfire 2 shoe over at meryl.com. Mm-hmm.